I hope you're feeling okay. I'm feeling, I just, um, I just not sleep very much last night. So I've just been like run down all day. Just like feeling like booty. Um, I got you. I got you. So I was like, man, maybe we can do it tomorrow. I'll have more energy and I'll be more upbeat. But I was like, you know, what? <laughs> let's do it. I yeah. Can, I can yeah. turn it up. <laughs> well, I'm sure that uh, that tweet from uh, Mr. Corgan you you are um, correct yeah that also helped it, it helped, like, helped all right. a little bit <laughs> all of this is motivation so no i saw that i was just like oh man that's so freaking awesome dude <laughs> i was just man it just well and and i always what i don't want to seem like i'm bragging when i post stuff like that but also like i'm like also i'm a jerk if i don't show gratitude for moments like that you know yeah. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the uh, enjoying this, enjoying your success. And I don't think that's being braggadocious or anything like that at all. That's you. You've worked incredibly hard. So anybody whom I don't imagine you have many haters, (laughs) but I would think, but I would think, you know, a conversation of, so what all did it take for you to get that? <laughs> it's not it's not like that just fell in your lap. Right, like right. We're talking years and years of hard work and, you know, probably sleepless nights and I'm sure uh, you know, <laughs> the wife being pissed at you when you're in when you're in well, the last room. night, I mean, I didn't go to bed till super late cuz we were recording stuff and yep. doing stuff for the this, but yeah, no, so it was nice too. to see cuz he doesn't I mean, I don't know. He just doesn't say much. And so like he Yeah, he doesn't seem to be super prevalent on on social media. It's always kind of, you know, every now it's an every now and then type of thing. So yeah. for him to for him to throw you a shout out and all that stuff is is pretty cool. And it's, and and the guy, uh, you know, as a I grew up a Smashing Pumpkins fan, it's just like even more surreal like high school yeah. me inside is like losing his <laughs> right it's right. like who would have thought ever that you know <laughs> like this band i love and and this this rock star guy is uh like that our my life would be intertwined with his at some point you know yeah i mean uh, that's or starting to you know yeah the the limited interaction i've gotten uh so far with cast members of star trek um uh, is is always is always very humbling to me i'm like really you you've seen and you're following my dinky little show all right ready i am ready bro all right let's Let's do do this this. incoming transmission the klingon word of the day is pob these are the voyages of the starship enterprise engage So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. Boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings! 
Greetings and welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. Ladies and gentlemen, for our 10th episode, he's back. The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Gary Horn. Yay! Oh, Gary Horn. It's, it's so it's nice our big, we're, we're double digits, man. We're two, we're two handfuls. I think this means you're serious about it. Now. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's the rule. I think there's an award on the way or something like, uh, you know, no, no, no. no. Mark- you should know from Cinema Shock there. There is there are no, uh, no uh, Iggy's, no whatever. Nobody's nobody's giving you no, jack. Nobody's giving us anything. That's OK. That's all right. You know what? To be honest, I consider it a personal achievement, you know, double digits. I feel like it's so easy to start a project. But to see a project through is rare. So I'm, I used you know, to, I'm going to give Todd, myself a little, little pat on the back here. I used to, <laughs> I used to for cinema shock. I would try to research by uh, looking up other podcasts, talking about a thing. I've since stopped that. Cause I feel like it invades my brain too much. What everybody mm. else is saying, but yeah. that aside, do you know how many podcasts I find that end up like, they're just like three episodes long or something. Yep. And it's like, they just started and just, Oh, when's the last time these guys did oh, anything? Oh, oh, two years ago. Oh yeah. <laughs> June of 2012. It looks like. All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so no, you're, you're doing great. You, you, you just Thanks, keep man. pressing on. Thanks. I really appreciate that. Archer uh, wouldn't quit now. No, he would not. He absolutely would not. He would, per- he would press on and and have the hap hap happiest Christmas since <laughs> Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny <laughs> K. <laughs> I don't know why I drifted into uh, Griswold's. <laughs> I don't either, but I liked it. <laughs> How was your first contact day uh, for for listeners? We're actually recording this on April seventh. First contact day was actually Monday, two days ago, the fifth. And unfortunately, I was a little under the weather and uh, Gary had some stuff to do last night for the wrestling show, which I'm sure he'll fill us in here in a minute. But did you did you watch any First Contact? Did you watch the movie? Did you celebrate First Contact at all? (laughs) No, dude, I failed at First Contact. Day. You you got the text from me when I found out about it. I didn't even realize it was First Contact Day. Well, Uh, for for all the social media stuff, like I knew it was coming, but I was just kind of like, I got stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. I don't have time to be LLAP different species, man. I, I got a full-time job. I got a wife, okay. a dog and a mortgage. Like, but that was your moment. I mean, that's, that's yep. your time to shine really. Exactly. Uh, no, you know. you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe it just be crowded on that day. So maybe the real it advantage is hitting up Star Trek with people uh, when nobody's talking about it. Right. You know, you're the one who starts the conversation. So oh, yeah. uh, there's, you know, there's something to be said for that. But yeah, I totally forgot about it. I can say, though, luckily that, I mean, we just finished the wife and I watching like all of the Star Trek movies oh, just wow. recently. You know? Did you so go we, through like from one to the J.J. Abrams stuff? Well, so I say we just finished. We're actually in the J.J. Abrams stuff now. Okay. So, all yeah, right. But we started with one all the way through. She had never seen them all. And so she one day casually mentioned that, like, I would like to see all the Star Treks. And I'm like, done. <laughs> let's, let's do it. And nice. so, yeah, it's it started. And so it was fun. She ended up, I think, liking all the ones that most people end up liking you know yeah so it's, it's the even numbers for the original crew sure and uh 
I don't think she got into next gen as much as the original crew. And I decided that the reason for that is, is probably they didn't have enough time to make you invest in the characters. Like just if you were only watching the movie, she's never seen. Oh, sure. It felt like, I'm sorry that I just went off on this tangent. No, no, please. It felt like you're going to have episodes about this. So I'm sure we could dig deeper but it felt a little like next gen's movies were really strictly made for fans of that show and i know that sounds kind of stupid but i feel like a lot of the star trek og guys like wrath of khan and undiscovered country like those movies felt like legitimately cool movies you needed a little backstory like oh these guys are in space yeah (laughs) but the movie still worked I feel like Star Trek Generations really bridged that gap from original crew to next gen. You got enough of a backstory to kind of learn who people were. And I think the next gen crew was kind of at their peak. So a lot of people knew who they were. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was kind of a nice transition. Yeah, it's good. And Malcolm McDowell's the villain in that one. And yeah. uh, Oh, and a good one, too. Yeah, he's great. And I got to see that it actually did work on my wife that, you know, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen this, that Kirk's passing in that movie. That was a sad moment that she was just like, oh, no. Like, yeah. he can't die. Not Captain yeah. Kirk. Honestly, the moment with Kirk passing away, it's so bittersweet. I think a lot of people don't like how he passed away, but like, look at the, his career. Would you really have rather seen him like sitting on a beach while the sun sets with a drink in the hand? No, he goes down swinging, man. He like, saves the world one yeah, last time. That's how Kirk goes down. And to be honest, I feel like the first time he truly expresses fear is what is right there when he dies. Because I mean, you see, you see his eyes kind of open a little bit more and he just, Oh my, I was like, that's baller. I I mean, it's, it's so, and again, bittersweet. of just like, Oh yeah, that's how, that's how the, especially when the captain goes down with the ship, man. When you spent your whole life exploring, but it's like this next area that this is just... the next thing you have yet to explore and potentially battle like and right and it's a and this is your kobayashi maru this is the one you can't win right and uh oh oof. making my eyes well up now todd <laughs> <laughs> no i was oh. with it uh i think some people hated it well you know we'll talk about the movie some other day we've got an episode yes. of, of captain archer and i could i could rail all day about kirk i'll, I'll oh, be back yeah. for some kirk <laughs> Look, if you get two Trekkers started, buckle up. It's going to be a long, pack a lunch as they yeah, there you go. It's going to be a long ride. But yeah, that being said, let's get into this week's recap. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Because you always rationalize it. You're like, it's not that far from the car to the bar. In your 20s, you want to risk that icy walk for the glory of not having to wear a jacket. You have no problem with that two minute walk. Not every girl makes it. I've lost many a hot Amber to that walk. (laughs) You're walking, you're like, where's Amber? Amber's frozen, like, go! (laughs) Order a lemon drop and toast to my memory. A time traveler from the future. I was assigned here to capture Scylla. He is a threat. An enemy from the present. They're lying to you. Why should I trust you? One has come to change his career. But which one? What happens here could affect millennia to come. An all-new Enterprise. Enterprise encounters a religious group that sets out every 11 years to watch a star fart. 
Archer invites them to visit Enterprise. In engineering, Trip explains the Warp 5 engine to the Pilgrims, which goes about as well as a redneck explaining NASCAR to, well, anyone, really. Mm. But then they're all like, actually, we're into Formula One. He's like, okay. One alien starts messing with stuff, revealing himself to be a Suliban. As Enterprise tries to go around a plasma storm, a bolt strikes the ship and causes a surge that almost reaches the reactor, but is stopped by the disconnected junction. Uh? Trip finds the sabotage, but doesn't suspect any of the crew. Chef Daniels tells Archer he believes one of the pilgrims is Silic, whom Archer encountered previously in the pilot episode. In his bunk, under a blanket, with a flashlight under his chin, Daniels tells Archer he's not Starfleet, but actually from the future, commenting that the people who command Silic in the temporal Cold War are from an earlier future. He says he's been sent to capture Silic and asks permission to charge his phone and use Enterprise's Wi-Fi. Silic appears to Archer in his quarters and says Daniel's group was responsible for the antimatter cascade and that the temporal accord is a lie. Meanwhile, in engineering, Daniels detects Sulaban biosigns but is surprised and vaporized by Silic. Kilt! 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 Chief Science Officer T'Pol and Chief Engineer Trip Summon the dock to gently shake Archer awake. Silic escapes to parking level four and free falls to a waiting Suliban space bus. Archer asks Reed to seal off Daniel's cabin and with it, any time travel secrets. So Gary, last time you were on, I was getting a vibe from you that you're starting to dig Enterprise. I think I'm coming around on it. Okay. Um, right. There's there's stuff I like. I mean, I'm still not with faith of the heart. <laughs> uh, it turns out I don't think anybody is really. I think now people have become affectionate for the song. Just, sure. It, it, it's an easy thing to make fun of. Yeah. It just still drives me nuts every time they do like that little tease at the beginning. And then you go into that and like every, you know, like I'm like, all right, what's going on in this episode? And then all of a sudden that song starts up and I'm like, God, why? (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. uh, With this episode, I feel like they're really starting to dig in. We're reaching the halfway, about the halfway point of uh, of season one, and I feel like there's some stuff going on that is going to have long lasting ripples in the water, as it were. It's the first time it feels like there's some long term storytelling taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I was going to say, I guess they technically did that at the beginning, but you didn't know. I don't think back in Broken Bow, and now it feels like there's still stuff you don't quite understand. So, you know, I mean, if you're looking for answers here, you're not going to get any. So you're, <laughs> you know, you're hoping that at some point down the line, and truth is, who knows if they knew that they were going to have any answers or a chance to tell you any uh, later, yeah. but you just expect that out of series now instead of the episodic mm-hmm. style. I think one of the things that really was working against this series in particular was the fact of when in television production history it fell because it's it's sort of at the tail end of episodic but it's not quite the serialized stuff hasn't really come back around yet so it's a little bit of both it's more episodic at the beginning and then towards the end it gets more long form it fell in the middle so it wasn't really either which 
you would actually think would play to its strength or that it would work better for an audience of like, hey, I can get on board with this thing episode to episode. And as I get locked in, they start introducing these more long form stories that are two, three episodes or more in a story arc. I actually kind of look at it like a comic book series where the standard story arcs about six issues, but every now and then you've got a four issue arc or maybe an eight issue arc or something that goes on for a year or longer, or maybe just a one-off, you know, something like that. You know, the, you know, the older characters have been doing that for a long, long time. This one, unfortunately, just kind of, it didn't really work. It didn't really help it that it wasn't one format or the other. Yeah, the trouble with starting anything is that you have to learn to love the characters. So that's with any series. So it's like Breaking Bad or whatever. Mm. It, it usually, I mean, at least for me, and I know for the wife, it's even longer sometimes. It takes some episodes to kind of start to care about the people involved. With Star Trek, you've even got double the pressure because Titans like Kirk and Picard yeah. And, you know, just like uh, Cisco and, and, and Janeway and like, you know, there's it's like somewhere along the way, Cisco and Janeway, they all worked too, like that whole crew for Voyager and Deep Space Nine. But, you know, I don't know how how long it took for me to get into them. But I don't know. For some reason, I was feeling a little antsy about these guys. I was like, all right, mm-hmm. I'm going to care about Archer and Paul and Trip seems like a douche and like I don't <laughs> and, uh, I, yeah I mean and I feel like every oh character, she's hot but other than that you know <laughs> like a, <laughs> I feel like every character at this point has gotten a tip of the iceberg episode for them where we've gotten a little glimpse into their backstory but we really haven't spent a full a story episode on just one character, I don't feel like. Even Archer, I don't feel like we've gotten the full just him episode. Next week, we'll, we're going to hit what I consider to be the first full A-story episode of a character in Doc Flocks with Dear Doctor, which I'm really excited about. But until then, <laughs> I'm really fascinated by the character of Daniels coming back from the future that's got to be a daunting task, right? I know you have issues with time travel. I was about to say, you already know that <laughs> time travel just hurts my head. Like yeah. It makes so, me I so mean, angry sometimes. Yeah. So in this thus far, because we haven't really dealt with it much thus far in, in the series. And this is episode 13, I think. So we, we dealt a little with it in the pilot. And here, a lot of the stuff's coming back around. You know, Silic was a, was in the pilot. And now we're introducing and killing Daniels as we learn more about the temporal Cold War, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, Seven of Nine ended up playing a significant role in. That might be putting the cart before the horse here. But how do you feel about the time travel as it's been presented thus far? Do you have any issues with it? No, in context, I haven't seen anything that just stands out like, oh, this is just ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) The closest this episode came to it, I think, at any point was that, I think it was Daniels and Archer, where Daniels, they have to go to the room because the ready room, is it's not safe to have that discussion in the ready room. He says something like that. Yeah. And and Archer then debriefs to Paul and Tripp, 
in the ready room. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? What was not safe about the ready room? Like, yeah. Was, you know, yeah, was, exactly. Okay. Because now you're just like telling them everything. But anyway, the only thing to think about with time travel here is that if Daniels is from the future, so now you're operating on a linear timeline. Mm-hmm. He's actively trying to influence things that are going to happen in this timeline. So immediately for me, I'm sorry if I go down this rabbit hole here. No, but please. I, this is what this is for. <laughs> go for it. So the way that you can do time travel is there's lots of ways. And Einstein did it mildly better than me. But uh, <laughs> it's that. He's a, he's a bit of a hack, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Who is that guy anyway? <laughs> no, but th- th- there's so the Star Trek movies, not to just go all in depth on them, but when they do the J.J. Abrams, mm-hmm. uh, that is something happens in Spock's timeline way in the future, and he enters the black hole, and so do the Romulans, and he goes back in time, but it firmly establishes he's not even in his timeline. He's now in a different timeline. Mm-hmm. He's impacting the OG Enterprise crew, but like in a different dimension, essentially. Yep. Like this is not the dimension you watch. So everything you loved about Star Trek or uh, the original series would still have happened because in that timeline, it worked that way. Yeah. So anything Spock did or anything that happened from there, yes, it's affecting that dimension, but it's not affecting what you already loved. I thought that was clever. That's a good way to do that. But when you've got Daniels coming back, I mean, you're you're already establishing like you're on the same timeline. It's it's one line. It's a straight line. And Daniels is from somewhere way ahead and he's coming all the way back and he's going to do something immediately when you do that. Right. You're already seemingly going to change how that progresses from there. Yep. You know, <laughs> and so that's that's the problem. It's like the, the best way that I could have ever explained it probably is like if you were to go back in time and kill your grandfather, what would happen? Right. Like you. So that means you were never bored. Then who came back and killed your grandfather? Exactly. <laughs> it's like the paradox. Yeah. So that's the paradox. So that's <clears throat> that's the problem with like the linear idea of time travel always for me. And that's a simple way of putting it. But we'll leave it there for now. Yeah. And I think. You know, because Avengers Endgame, they had, you know, of course, the time heist, but they were basically explaining that it is possible to go back and kill your own grandfather because as soon as you leave, you're not traveling to your past. You're traveling to an alternate reality, which begs the question. They say that in J.J. Abrams' Star Trek, they say that time travel, the split of those realities was with the destruction of the USS Kelvin. But you can see that uh, the Romulans and even I think on the enterprise, they're using, they're using more advanced technology, which begs the question, since that takes place later in time, the temporal cold war events that are happening now in enterprise, is that the beginning of the Kelvin timeline? Just to level up that for a second, let me just say also Captain America goes back in time and he waits it out and becomes an old man. You couldn't mess with 9-11, Steve. 
<laughs> really you could you still let that happen really <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> come on steve man oh you can't just ignore so cap wouldn't be able to ignore it anyway anyway yeah. this is all it's it's time We've... is time is screwy that's why it's screwy to me it's always <laughs> like i feel like even if it's possible to go back in the past you risk so much by going there yeah like it, it just you either are a gonna end up on another timeline that you can never come back from probably mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or you're in your same timeline and you will just destroy everything right well and here's here's something here's a little caveat as maybe just as a side note it also incorporates your personal perception how you perceive time, how you perceive the progression of time, which I wrote a, I wrote a short story. This has been That's some, a really great point. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote a short story some time ago with the basis being the idea that people with Alzheimer's are actually time travelers because I watched my grandmother go through Alzheimer's and it was very sad. First of all, let me say, but it was also so fascinating to see this old woman at the drop of a hat. She's 16 again, based on her perception. She was, she was 16 and living on the farm in Pennsylvania, not in her eighties in Greer, South Carolina. (laughs) Right. But so, you know, again, we, there there are theories just like that, man. I mean that, that, you know, this is all a perception thing. This is just all the way that we have learned to perceive time, but that time is really just all happening. Like it's just, oh yeah, you know, all of this is just, I don't know. Oh man, that's a whole other podcast. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> much greater minds have been stumped by this topic. <laughs> right. And just, just in case anybody out there is wondering Neither Gary or myself, neither of us are theoretical astrophysicists. <laughs> Clearly. I mean, you, you probably heard that in my voice from uh, the first few minutes. But you might have figured that out from the everything about me. <laughs> it is interesting to me that for a series, Star Trek, I mean, mm-hmm. that is deeply rooted in trying to be legitimate science fiction. And I guess, I guess time travel technically falls right into that but also it's also it's interesting to me too that this is you know something that you're making some wild assumptions about yeah i mean maybe that's all of the future but it's just interesting that they regularly dip their toes into time travel i mean Mm. going Mm. back to the original series they they toy with time travel so benjamin cisco is gabriel bell you know (laughs) so they so they play around with this. It's interesting to do that, you know, for just a series that wants to try to get, I don't know. I feel like Gene Roddenberry was trying to get so much right about everything else. And so it's just interesting. that, that Yeah. That well, and happened. I think going back to the, to the idea of it being connected to one's own personal perceptions, it also lends itself in revealing how content you are with your life. Because, you know, with the idea of time travel, the question is, well, what would you go back and change? I think the question is, how happy are you with your life? If you're happy and contented, then the answer is nothing, which begs the question, why travel back in time? To see something? No, 
at this point, it's history. We can read about it. I mean, you can go witness it for yourself, but at the risk of changing something. And then if that happens, now we're getting into the butterfly effect. Even if somebody just sees you pop into existence, there's going to be that question before it's time. That's another good point, Todd. I, I think that I'm firmly against traveling into the past, for sure. <laughs> because because even, even the stories that you're likely going to find out aren't true, you know, when you can actually see it for yourself, maybe sometimes it's better that you don't know all of the details or every single truth about every single person who ever lived. You sure. know, like it's, oh yeah. I you mean, know, I'm sure everybody's fallible. And so, you know, even the most inspirational figures in history, uh, you would want to really be able to see every part of their life. You know, you, yeah. you've got the highlight reel now, and that's probably what you need to inspire and move humanity forward. Even if your intentions are noble, you're traveling. Let's say, you know, okay, well, I've been working on uh, some movie things and the death of Heath Ledger has popped up in my research. And, you know, in thinking about that, if you were to go back and save Heath Ledger, you know, just as an example, uh, and of course, all due respect, uh, you know, I, I don't mean this to come across as crass or anything like that, but let's say, you know, rather than killing someone, your intentions are to go back and save someone who died before their time. Right. In doing that, if you're successful, have you now just pulled someone's soul from the afterlife? Well, who who are you to say who are you to say that that wasn't their time to go now and i mean now we're getting into playing god here and if you bring them back like again every heath ledger at this point has a pretty storied and almost uh romantically short career i, I think is a fair thing to say if you bring him back what trajectory would his career have continued on would we lose the romanticism of his short career? And you could apply the same formula to uh, any, people. I, I heard anybody, somebody not too long ago, do anybody it in like, the 27 club, anybody who, you know, any of those, I was about to say, I heard somebody died. do this with like uh, Kurt Cobain not too long ago. Yeah. Just yeah, that, absolutely. you know, like, would he be, you know, one of the all time greater, greatest songwriters and still like looked upon that way? Or would he be the guy who is at, you know, your local club? playing on the stage and would sure. people you know and would he, would he have quit the business altogether and gone yeah. into real estate and how that's how, not knocking him that's just the way the music industry chews people up as fits yeah. like what would have happened yeah. to kurt cobain yeah and and that all ties back into your personal perception and then your your subject the person you're going to specifically affect it also goes into their perception like are they going to have these memories of being on the other side of life like you're getting into some dicey territory, man, that I don't think should be messed with. Don't get me wrong. As a sci-fi aficionado, I'll go ahead and <laughs> and call myself a sci-fi aficionado. Is this a box that mankind is not meant to open? Probably. Is this one, is because this even, even in the scenario that you're talking about, Todd, think about just even my initial point is you go back in time and you save Heath Ledger. And now Heath Ledger's alive. So when you get to 2021, who went back in time and saved Heath Ledger? Why did they do that? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. why did that even happen? <laughs> why did, did somebody happen? do that? Do you still have to do that? Do you still yeah. have to like ride that out? So do you like, you're aware? How would you be aware? Heath Ledger didn't die. It's such a effed up thing. Time travel is so screwy. 
Yeah. And here's a little homework assignment for anybody who might be listening. I think there's maybe a dozen or so of you actually listening out there. There is a great graphic novel the wife and I just finished reading called I Killed Adolf Hitler. And it's about, uh, you know, the title doesn't really bury the lead. <laughs> it's about a guy who, who in a particular version of the future, contract killing is along the same lines as going to see a doctor or a lawyer. So in that, someone has created a time machine to go back and kill Adolf Hitler. Well, the catch is that for the batteries to charge back up, it takes 50 years for that to happen. So someone travels back to kill Adolf Hitler. If they are unsuccessful, they now have to wait 50 years to get back to their starting point. And also... This particular story, which is by a writer artist known simply as Jason, uh, it's available on the Comixology app and is a great minimalist graphic novel. If you dig time travel and the exploration of summer winter romances and how something like that affects our present, our past and our future, I highly, highly recommend it. But all that to say when it is perceived that Hitler has died in the past and they come back in the future is the same, it begs the question, did killing Hitler really, really make that much of a difference? Because I was talking with uh, my wife about it. It was like, think about if some CEO of some big corporation had a rivalry with you know a guy on the other side of the country who also has a big corporation that's their competitor. I said, well, what if he decides to, you know, take that guy out. I said, well, then someone's going to take his place tomorrow and they might be worse. <laughs> so, I mean, saving somebody, killing somebody off, maybe all you've done is delay the inevitable. Maybe time has its own objective and you can't screw with it. Yeah. No matter what you do, yeah. like it's going to self-correct. Sure. <laughs> well, like and, and we haven't even breached the aspect of religion. Like <laughs> how or if that all comes into play like what does that mean like if which now that you say that this episode really went all in on some weird aspects that star trek well they typically do deal with time travel they love playing around with time travel but what they i, I mean from my understanding gene roddenberry was kind of anti including religion in star trek mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. just i mean you know i don't know him personally so i don't know my understanding would just be that you know you don't know in the future where they've gone now kirk does reference in the the one where they meet like apollo mm -hmm. and he says something like you know we've got our old god or something like that or our one true god and you know that could mean he's christian or jewish i guess uh since Shatter sure. was a jewish guy but you know in this episode and, and i've seen a lot of them recently so i could be mixing them up but i think it's this one where, where what's his face uh is it flocks who's talking about he went to it is flocks so Flox mentions that he's intrigued by all forms of religion at one point, like mm -hmm. that he's done like a, a Buddhist monastery and he's gone to the Catholic mass and stuff like that. He's just interested in that stuff. And yeah. Archer's just kind of like, I like to keep an open mind, but, but it's one of the first, I mean, it really does reference that at least at this point in human history in the Star Trek universe, there are still religions there that are yep. being observed on earth. Yeah. But, that's something that Roddenberry, I think, tried to avoid a lot of. I mean, if somebody will 
I'm just Star Trek. Somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that there's not a lot of religious reference in Star Trek. I mean, the OG mm-hmm. series has like, like I said, the Apollo thing. I mean, Kirk and the final frontier, they are going on a mission to find God who they think is at this place, you know? Yeah. But so, but, but there's generally with religion, they kind of steer clear of it. He said, mankind got it all wrong by taking a good idea and building a belief structure on it. You're saying having beliefs is a bad thing? I just think it's better to have ideas. I mean, you can change an idea. Changing a belief is trickier. People die for it. People kill for it. And I feel like Star Trek was kind of the perfect playing field for those things of seeing, hey, I've got an idea. Let's pursue it until it becomes a fact, not a belief. And Chris Rock and Dogma talks about it's easy to have an idea and it's it's and it's easy to change an idea. So as opposed to science now, I mean, I was raised hardcore Christian. I know you have a religious background as well. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about all this, man? Wow. This is uh this is getting uh, deeper, deeper, a little bit deeper than the average <laughs> episode of this show. <laughs> Top of my head right now, spur of the moment here. Uh, you know, the thing is, is I think that anything taken too far can be dangerous i think and 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 that a lot of times would get me accused of being a middleman uh middle of the road kind of thing and i get it we got to push boundaries all the time but you know the pursuit of science just strict logic just based in fact always that's a dangerous game to play sometimes too without a little humanity. Yeah. But what is humanity? What is your conscience? What is like, where does empathy and hope fall on that spectrum somewhere between belief and logic? Yeah. Cause and, you can take yeah. a dark path. Like when you decide mm-hmm. like, well, we know scientifically if we trim the fat here a little bit, we do some things, you know, oh, yeah. you know, like we were really amp up humanity. Well, you're, you know, you're back to somebody's going to have to come back and kill Hitler eventually. But yeah, well, <laughs> it, I mean, and it all kind of boils down to uh, and not that Hitler was based in science either, by the way. I don't right. mean that. I feel like I've got to like walk on eggshells, but <laughs> hey, say what you will about Hitler, but <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, it, it, I mean, it comes back to if you're talking about, you know, logic versus uh, beliefs. And if you look at what Thanos was saying, he wasn't wrong. He goes, that, you're, that's you're, it. You're that's a couple him, generations man. away from extinction. I've got a plan to survive. That's a hard thing to argue. <laughs> well, that's I it, mean, man. You know, I mean, and of course, once it's carried out, you know, the devastation is horrendous, but. I mean, and it's, it doesn't fix things overnight. It's resetting the clock, you know, well, a lot bringing of it back to time travel. It's resetting gonna, the clock. This is at the risk of sounding like some kind of white right wing nut job. You know, I mean, a lot of Western culture is based in religion. It's based on mm. Christianity or mm-hmm. Judaism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, like we have a lot of ideals about morals and those kind of things and it and it tracing it all the way back a lot of it does stem from religion and a belief that there is a god and a belief that you're going to be judged and uh the reason that so so i i've had this thought process sometimes so just what i'm 
you know, having fun at night, just like got nothing better to do. And just like, <laughs> but no, it, it's like, it, it's like what keeps me from killing anybody? It's like the belief that it's wrong. Well, then why is it wrong? Well, just because it is like, it's, but who says that that's wrong? And, and even scientifically, you could work yourself, I feel like up until the point where you're like, that the survival of the human species. Well, even at that point, you got to be like, well, why does that matter? Like what, what, what's the reason for all of this? Like, you know, so people, and, and, and it gets into hard questions. And so generally somewhere along that path, humanity starts to be like, I need a reason for all of this. And so they start making up stuff if they don't have an answer yet. And so then this is the cycle. There's a lot of tough questions. And so, and taken to the extreme in any direction, you could you could be a very dangerous person. I mean, yeah. depending on what you believe, maybe you're just a normal person. Yeah. But <laughs> and for for listeners, if you've enjoyed this conversation, like I said, buckle up, pack a lunch, because we're gonna get into more of these things next week on that very next episode. Oh Dear my god, doctor. that was the whole it's I didn't coming. even expect to get into it in this one. And all next yeah. sorry, I jumped in, but no, uh, that's next okay. Week, and if you didn't like this conversation, please feel free to send all of your complaints to at Justin underscore Bishop on Instagram. <laughs> to that. DM Justin Bishop. Uh, um, yeah, so next week's definitely going to get into the like, who the who the F are you, pal? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's really going to continue on some of these big, heavy themes. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Let's get into some of the stats here. Uh, this episode was written by artist, writer, toy designer, and inventor Stephen Beck and a guy named Tim Finch. Now, I just sort of scratch the surface. I'm having to sort of scramble as I put these together. I, uh, you know, I have a full-time job and I'm busy just like everybody else is out there. Uh, but I didn't really find a lot on these guys. If anybody's got some links or Gary, did you happen to stumble across any information about these guys? Uh, not these particular guys. I mean, they just, yeah, I'll have to double check the list and see if they wrote any other, any other episodes. Cause I didn't even see in my limited research that they wrote anything outside of this particular episode this episode was directed by mr robert duncan mcneil and if that name sounds familiar it's because he's tom paris from voyager aka AKA cadet first class nicholas lacarno from uh next gen who gets in trouble with wes crusher (laughs) oh yeah look at that yeah robert mcneil actually has uh, a really uh he's got some really great credits acting wise he's been in twilight zone masters of the universe quantum leap with uh with Mr. Scott Bakula, the show Early Edition. Gary, did you ever see Early Edition? I del- never saw that. It, it delves a little, it's not exactly time travel, but it's basically there's a guy who his morning paper shows up and he gets he gets the paper for tomorrow. Oh man, you're so he sees time as a weird yeah. thing. Like I, I just well, no, you just like triggered something in my brain that is lied. <laughs> it's 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 laid dormant until like this very moment since I've been like whatever age I was when that show was out. But I, as you said that I picture the intro to that show. I I remember that existing now. Yeah. I totally forgotten about it. It's a, it's a fun show. If you can find it out there, I highly recommend, you know, jumping into it. It was a lot of fun. Robert Neal has also acted on uh, outer limits chuck warehouse 13 i love warehouse 13 so much fun have you watched any of that 
Yeah, I've seen Warehouse 13. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. Yeah, I think I think all of it. Yeah, and uh, and he's also been on uh, the newer uh, show. It's, I think it's airing somewhere now, Resident Alien. In terms of directing, he's got some good credits there. He He's directed uh, some episodes of Supernatural, pilot episode of Samantha Who, uh, featuring Voyager co-star Tim Russ. Uh, he's directed an episode of V, and two episodes of each of Orville and The Gifted. So, you know, the Star Trek homage show and the uh, x-men offshoot show so guest starring in this episode back from the pilot episode is mr john fleck as silic his credits include Waterworld, babylon 5 the gathering but back in 1986 he played pimples in howard the duck oh yeah <laughs> that's a lot of fun there uh some of his tv stuff max headroom millennium just shoot me carnival and of course he was on orville as well but he is he's one of these actors who's actually played five different characters over four shows 12 episodes total in the star trek universe Silic. While it is his first in the franchise, it is the last character he has played in the franchise so far. I don't, I don't want, I don't, I got to be careful about how I phrase that. I don't want people to think he's dead. He's very much alive. <laughs> but this is his uh, episodes on Enterprise are the last that he did uh, in his career. The other guest star is a young man named Matt Winston, who plays Crewman Daniels or Chef Daniels, depending on. Uh, how you want to label him there. Uh, so you his... think that's what Jeff Daniels tells his kids <laughs> when he's making a breakfast? Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you I'm go. I'm Chef Daniels today, Chef babe. Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> Todd loved that one. That's a good one. I like that. So anyway, some of Matt Winston's TV credits are uh, Married with Children, Beverly Hills, 90210, Scrubs, That 70s Show, Friends. Uh, his film resume is pretty extensive. He's got uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, Halloween H2O. He's the priest in Fight Club. Uh, he was in Galaxy Quest. He was in AI, Little Miss Sunshine, Zodiac, uh, and I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. But his first big credit was in 1993. He was a puppeteer on a little movie called Jurassic Park. And a lot of people are wondering how he got that gig and then transitioned into all these other really big movies. Uh, because if the name sounds familiar, Winston, that's because he is the son of legendary special effects guru, Stan Winston. If you're out there and have not looked up Stan Winston's resume, do yourself a favor. He's probably responsible for most of your childhood, if not all of your fandoms. <laughs> Wouldn't you say, Gary? Yeah, I would say so. He's a, he's a very busy, busy man. Um, yes. He actually, uh, interestingly enough, Todd, um, it's not his... First, because I think uh, Stan Winston started in like the early 70s, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. but coming up on Cinema Shock, which we all do. Uh, he, uh, the, the next movie coming up, we've got, as of this recording, uh, Dead and Buried. Uh, Stan mm -hmm. Winston does the makeup effects on that movie as well. Nice. Yeah. Very early yeah. Stan Winston. 
yeah, some of that early Stan Winston stuff, you really start to see uh, the chops. You know, the, the, those guys like uh, Tom Savini, you know, and a lot of those, a lot of those type guys, those particular artists uh, tend to that. You know, the cream rises to the top, and I feel like those guys, they their talent shines through pretty early on. And uh, Spielberg, another one, you know, their talent really shines through. They just have a knack for it. It's something they're meant to do and they just excel. And it's always, but it's always fun to follow the career and see, you know, the twists and turns and different projects that they work on. I love it. And one of the, one of uh, my favorite things that he's done is he is responsible uh, for the iconic uh, look of the Predator. Yeah. from you know starting with uh arnold schwarzenegger back in the 80s and uh that look has progressed has survived to present day and i i love those movies that was so great so gary next week the three pete going for the turkey three in a row <sighs> you are coming back for enterprise season one episode 13 dear doctor which of course is available on paramount plus do you do you want to give people a little a little taste of uh, how you feel about that? It's a deep one. It's it's a deep episode. There's a lot going on. So it's where you start to see the uh, first hits, the importance of mm-hmm. the weirdness mm-hmm. of the need the, for <laughs> the need for the yeah the prime directive uh-huh. and uh-huh. uh that's i mean that's a big thing in star trek but also arguably i mean as we were sitting here talking i'm starting to see some of your points that anything carried too far any direction could also be a bad thing yeah. or a good thing. i mean it just depends on where you stand like morally and yeah. uh, well man it just gets deep the the, the enterprise crew is going to be faced with pretty big moment in human history and Star Trek universe. Oh yeah. Well, cause, and uh, I'll sort of reveal my hand a little bit. It's kind of interesting to see. It's not just flying around and shaking hands with green people. You're going to have to answer for some things. And Starfleet doesn't have those answers. <laughs> it's, it's one of the ones I will say this. I mean, as a guy who uh, enterprise was taking a little bit to grow on me, next episode is one that, it pissed me off and also made me like, wow, this is some stuff though. This is some deep thinking stuff, like yeah. some uh, some interesting thought provoking stuff, I guess is what I'm going for that Star Trek is supposed to do. Yeah. And so it really does. I mean, when you think about any great civilization and any explorers, any, I mean, all the way back and way in our past and apparently all into our future. I mean, these are the questions that. Oh, yeah will arise and it's it's a very interesting episode yeah uh, i will say that i can't wait to get into it because uh even my wife who's it's hard to convince her to sit and watch enterprise with me let alone find it entertaining and engaging she was all about this episode so i think what i'm gonna end up telling people from now on is if you're gonna start watching enterprise stick with it through dear doctor because i will call dear doctor a decider episode if you're not on board after dear doctor don't bother yeah i mean it's really where you start to see the crew uh really have to to tackle something difficult that we're not talking about klingons and their torpedoes locked on right it's (laughs) it's like a moral conundrum 
Exactly. So, uh, Gary, I think we've whetted everybody's appetites uh, enough for them to come back next week. Thank you so much for being here this week and last week and coming back next week. Uh, Do you want to tell folks about This Is Professional Wrestling or Cinema Shock? Well, sure. Uh, Todd and I both host Cinema Shock, which is at cinema underscore shock everywhere you can find social media stuff. uh, Pretty much, I think. Grinder. You know, oh yeah but, but uh anyway uh yeah we do that podcast is about movies and so just like i mentioned uh dead and buried's a movie that's coming up we're doing a whole series right now dan o'bannon not sure where this will air but 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 we've gone through toby hooper and dan o'bannon so dan o'bannon's uh gonna have some action in dead and buried where he'll cross paths with stan winston That'll be fun. Uh, also, I do a show called This Is Pro Wrestling. It's at TIPW show on everything. And uh, we also do a Tuesday night show on the official NWA YouTube channel, uh, which is a post show to their wrestling show, which is on Tuesday nights on Fight TV. So you can check it out there. Nice, nice. And where can folks reach you directly? Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I should tell you that too. I am at this is Gary Horde. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials from all of us at the Computer Resume podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you in 10 forward. Oh my. <laughs> Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computer resume podcast at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Computer Resume podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was done by Will Martin at heyitswill.seo on Instagram. And I'm Kat Davis at that.darn.cat with a K on Instagram. The Computer Resume podcast is part of the Slice of Fried Gold Network. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We've probably got some phasers and shuttle pods. And we're going to find a brand new race. That's it, man. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, we got deep. We got, we got into deep. like a whole deep conversation there. Yep. <laughs> That's uh, fun though. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh thank you for um indulging my uh <laughs> philosophical questions. I didn't I didn't know we were gonna go that route. I, I just kind of wanted to get into some of the fun things about it, but as it you know blossomed just yeah pick it apart a little bit it's it's interesting how that episode turned into that i was like i don't even know like how you go like a whole hour about this episode i mean it's cool but it's uh but then there you go yep here we are (laughs) you you got plenty out of it so oh yeah yeah we got plenty how's that for a slice of fried gold Uh?